Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome opera lovers, Vespa drivers, spaghetti eaters, people who like to talk with their hands and kiss in public, and all you other suave, well-dressed Italian motherfuckers. This is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Allpike, and joining me tonight are my fellow Italian stallions, AJ and Jonathan Astro. AJ, pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? Yeah, I like it. But I, ah. I, but I, but I get it. I get it if it's, there's haters out there. I understand. Mm. So, John, do you like a good Roman holiday? Uh, yes. I do. If um, if it's not a sex thing you're talking about, I do. <laughs> I went to uh, Rome, had a good time. Well, I did have a good time in Rome. I, no, I came really. back complaining that everyone was rude. <laughs> you hated it. You hated That's it. Right, you hated it. <laughs> but what's weird is, what's weird is, I did hate it. Everyone was rude, and there was scamsters everywhere, and it was mm. just like. But the more I think about it, the more I miss it. <laughs> You know, a I bit like a, a, an abusive boyfriend. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, speaking speaking of holidays, you you are on a holiday of sorts. You're you're on the road. Oh look, Ricky, just that's Ricky's way of <laughs> you know just saying explain your <laughs> shitty sound. Okay. I I I I'm sort of on the I'm on the other side of the country. I've got a shitty setup. I'm sorry, people. But look. Let's face it, if you're listening to Cyber <laughs> Cinema now, then you're in for the long haul. A hundred percent. You know? A hundred percent. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get that boobometer. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. So anyway, many apologies. <laughs> so we have gathered here today to review Eight and a Half, I believe. Yes. 1963, directed by Federico Fellini, screenplay by the same, uh, along with his mates, Tullio Pinelli. Ennio Flaiano, Brunello Rondi, story by Federico and Ennio uh, Flaiano. So, yeah, that's that's the game. How's that pronunciation, AJ? Oh, it's it, great. It's, well, I was just going to say, is my Italian better better than my French? Or <laughs> Yeah, it is. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, had, had anyone seen this, uh, this movie? No. No, I have not. I, I knew about it. But uh, never, never seen it. Uh, well, um, so you hadn't seen this movie, uh, and you know, uh, I mean, is that good? <laughs> no. <Are> you, <laughs> we, we... <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> no, no, no. Look, it's it's a weird movie. You know what can I say? It's. Uh, I got a few questions. Uh, firstly. Is Italy of the mid 20th century the place where the patriarchy was born? Oh, yeah. I'd have to say yes. Because this movie features a bevy of young chicks Mm. uh, with beastly older Mm. guys. Um, So Claudia Cardinale, who's the dream girl, she's like 
25, the youngest of the lot. Uh, Barbara Steele is the English girl. She's like 26. Uh, that's great. Uh, and Guido's mistress and his wife are basically 30 and like they're considered the old ducks. So the film, I mean, the film's a little bit mildly critical uh, of, of this whole thing, but it's, it's quite celebratory as well. Like there's, um, there's that great moment where the, um, like one of the producers, he's got like a hot young girlfriend and you know, she says at one point, where's the swimming pool? And he says, we haven't even checked in. Shut up. Yes. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then later on, he's like, she says something and he's like, shut up and eat your ice yeah. cream. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> shut up a lot. <laughs> so it's a little bit, it's critical, but then at the same time, it, you know, I'm just saying, I, when I watched it, I was like, wow, you know, if I think this is, um, you know, it's good to be the king. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I I could could not imagine a film like this winning an Oscar in the 2020s. You know, I mean this 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 took out two Academy Awards for best foreign language film and best costume design, and it had a whole bunch of other uh, nominations. I think, and not only would it would uh, an avant garde film, I don't think like this sort of get get a nomination or or or, or win the award, but one that's so I hate to use this term, but misogynistic. Mm. Very good. Those tersives and the gender critical <laughs> and the feminists that we talk and spoken to have really, really gotten under your skin. <laughs> Does this film still pack a punch in the 2020s? And I, I question this because the film was made at a time when people still cared about cinema and cinema as an art form. You know, because this is all about a guy who's 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 trying to get this this film together, and he's basically got got writer's block or director's block, and and that's sort of the premise and all this weird stuff happens around that. But, you know, I mean, I, I guess you could have a modern version where the director was fretting over how best to contribute to the Marvel universe or something. Like, how can I make my mark in the Marvel universe when there's been 20 other ones, you know? I mean, that would be quite funny, but... Well, I guess the closest we get to it, this sort of meta film, film films about films is maybe Birdman from a couple of years ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with well. Michael Keaton, which was good. But, yeah, no, it did do well. But then again, everyone who made that was living in the 20th century. Mm. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one on that was uh, on the younger end. Mm. Yeah. What What about a film like Adaptation? I, I think that's kind of a film about trying to write a screenplay of a book. I'd say that's the end of it. Yeah. Like, you know, that really is the adaptation is the end of this meta thing because you ha- it'd have to be someone directing a TV series now. Mm. Yeah. You know? But um, before we get too deep into this, I feel we're going off on all these interesting tangents. I think I should try and tell you what this film's about. <laughs> Good luck. Godspeed. Okay. All right. The film follows a middle-aged director called Guido Anselmi, played by Marcello Mastriani who is suffering from a kind of creative block as he prepares to shoot an overblown sci-fi epic that features themes and characters drawn directly from his own life. Uh, He's retired to a luxurious spa to calm his nerves before filming, but this proves difficult as he is seemingly joined by the entire production crew. Uh, He is harangued by producers and crew members about the film, various aspects of the film, but it's clear that he doesn't seem to know where the film's going, what it's about, uh, or anything like that. Nevertheless, he's hired a critic to evaluate the script, and, and this bespectacled man spends the entire film berating Guido about the film's shortcomings and his deficiencies as an artist. 
One bright spot of this madhouse is the recurring vision of the beautiful Claudia, played by Claudia Cardinale, a luminous figure who Guido sees from time to time around the, the spa. Guido's mistress, Carla, rolls into town and he shacks up with her at a hotel near the railway station as part of their sexy uh, times. Um, Guido has Carla, who's a classic woman, gussy herself up like a hua with uh, thick makeup uh, and try to seduce him. A scene which makes a lot more sense once we see one of the many scenes from Guido's past in flashback. In this case, uh, the hooker makeup derives from an incident in which young Guido and his friends paid a BBW prostitute called Saragina to dance the rumba for them. Uh, an incident that also saw him caught and reprimanded by his Catholic priest caretakers. Things get more complicated when Guido's wife Louisa shows up, causing friction between them, with Carla, his mistress, even showing up also when uh, she knows Louisa, his wife, is around. Louisa confronts Guido about his mistress, and he says that he ended the affair a while back, but she doesn't believe him. With all the pressures of the film, uh, the needling of the critic, the dis disapproval of the cardinal about the film he's about to make, and the tensions between the women in his life, Guido crosses over into a, into a dream in which he runs a harem filled with all the women in his life, everyone from uh, Saragina, the prostitute, to um, his wife, obviously his mistress, everyone, they're all there. A showgirl escapes from the lower realms, uh, the place where uh, in which women over 26 are banished to. Uh, she doesn't she doesn't want to be put uh, on the shelf, so to speak, and is convinced she has a contribution to make. A rebellion breaks out amongst the women, and Guido restores order with a whip, and the showgirl is returned to the over 26 club. After watching brutal autobiographical details at a screening of some screen tests uh, with some actresses. Louisa, Guido's wife, declares to him that the mar their marriage is over. This is when Claudia, the dream girl from the start of the, of the movie, arrives in person. Uh, I think she's actually there to, to consider a part that he's got for her in this movie. But, he, but really, she and Guido have a heart-to-heart. -heart. She gives him some harsh truths, namely that the hero of his film, and maybe he himself, is incapable of love. Guido wants to call the film off, but the producers call a grand press conference and Guido is hounded by journalists uh, and others and, and ends by sh uh, shooting himself in the head. Guido, now alive, uh, has realised that making a film about his personal screw-ups is not going to help anybody and the film is abandoned. Instead, he appeals to his wife, Louisa, to take him back and accept him for who he is the final image is uh, quite famous. It is of the main characters uh, of the film walking in a circle led by a circus band. Eight and a half. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think of the title? It, 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 That's all clear. It is. It is. It's the, the eight, eighth and a half movie that he made. But I, I, I don't know. I, you know, like... Could could there be a better name out there for this, for this film? You know, <laughs> well, Did... Tarantino is going to be called Ten. His last movie, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But see, see, are all his films numbered? Are they all the titles numbers? Fellini, no. no. Well, see, that's why it sucks. If every movie was like that, <laughs> that would be great. Like, like I'm a to I'm, I'm a Toto fan. Like, I'm a Toto fan, and they've got a number of albums. <laughs> Isolate the audio. 
I'm a Toto fan. I, I am a Toto fan. And, and they have a number of albums that, that are like the seventh one is the seventh one. And the first one is just called One. And the fourth one is called Four. But then in amongst that, all the other albums have different names. And I'm like, <laughs> you, should have, you should have committed from the beginning and gone, yeah. they're all numbers. Okay. What do you think, John? Yeah, but like, it, you know, I mean, does it does it have to be? I mean, are, are you neuro neurodivergent or something? Neuro <laughs> neuro neurodiverse. <laughs> no, it's I'm not. Be, it's got to be in order. It has to be in order. Anyway, that's just a small gripe, really. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But um, did did we have a good time? I mean, AJ, did you did you like this? Had a good time. Yeah, and I and I think I need to watch it multiple times. Like I liked the first time. Yeah, well, I I had a frustrating time with this this film, but I I actually really enjoyed the last half an hour, forty minutes of this film. Mm. Like for some reason, it just sucked me in. Um, it it looks great as well. Like I, oh, I don't, it's beautiful. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they've got that look. Like it's it's black and white, but it's like a black and white I've I've never seen before. It's like. High um, contrast. Yeah, like there's a lot of bright white interiors and sets that were quite striking. And I don't know, maybe I'm just revealing my subconscious white supremacist tendencies by noticing how white it was. But um, it's, it's kind of more white than it is black. No, I, I, I agree. It's, 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 it is like this, this, this black and white, hyper, hyper black and white, ultra high contrast, just, you know, uh, it's not like a film like The Apartment, which I love, seems more like a film that could be in colour. It's just in black and white, you know what I mean? And mm. it, 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 whereas this is really pumped. Is that the camera work as well that makes it like that? Well, it's, a, it's the film stock. Is that a dumb that, question? No, no, not at all. No, no, it's the film stock they've chosen. It's the lighting. It's, mm. it's all very deliberate. And I think what really struck, struck me on this viewing was – uh, Fellini is usually when you talk about him, you, you, you say Fellini-esque or something. You usually mean, I guess, these sort of gr- uh, grotesque faces, big, big and beautiful women. Uh, you, you know, these sort of absurd, uh, uh, extravagant sets and things like that. But I feel like the thing that that um, he should be known for really is his incredible sense of blocking and cinematography so uh, when we say blocking we just mean the placement the placement of the actors where they're how they move in it's sort of like a dance between the the camera and the actors and so you can just see the most masterful camera work in this people will pop up into frame and be in close up and the camera will get it's always on a dolly pretty much in this movie it's always on a huge dolly would have taken every shot would have taken hours and hours and hours and hours to set up and then it would start moving and then people would come into frame there'd be people in the background beautifully choreographed something else would come into for the foreground like there's at one point uh the magician is approaching uh, a crowd and um the we rack focus to his hand in the foreground with his wand and then it goes out of frame and then he leaves it leaves frame and, and comes into the shot. That happens throughout the film. People are, we, it, things are point of view and then suddenly it becomes uh, uh, the, the, you know, our, our character will enter the, enter the frame. So I was just dazzled by the, 
by the mm. blocking and the cinematography in this. Mm. Yeah, well, there are a number of scenes where Guido is like walking with someone, having a conversation, and then midway, someone else takes his arm and starts a new conversation. And this happens mm. around and around in a circle with many different people, which I, I I found interesting and also slightly frustrating because it goes on for a while. But is 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 there a name for this technique where people just kind of interrupt and then they go in a circle? And it is very um, choreographed, as you say. Yeah, he's, he's trying to create a, a this, uh, or I guess to, to a bit like that the, the circus theme of everyone going in the circle at the mm. end. You know, he's trying to create this this dazzling uh, spinning top where uh, and and ratcheting up the tension as well of of the pressures on 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 the lead character it just comes across to me as a bohemian nightmare and that and what you're talking about there the technical aspect is one part of it it's just like you know manic pixie dream girls crazy mistresses magicians spontaneous dancing you know like just it's just fucking chaos (laughs) and i think that 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 technique of having the camera do its thing is is a big contributor and and everyone keeps asking what their part is as well. Mm. Like, what's my part? What's my part? Like all these actors and actresses, and he doesn't know, and he doesn't care either. Like he just wants them to fuck off. Like, you know. <laughs> what the fuck is this mineral water that they're drinking? What do you think that is? Oh yeah, I think it's like um, it's like that cult leader Asahara. From Japan, who sold he sold his bath water. People mm. people were drinking his bath water. Yes. So, but it seems to be a big, you know, it's such a weird location, though. This this yeah. sort of it is luxury spa. Yeah. Do, would they call it like a sanat- sanatorium or something? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. And, and and what's with the doctors? Like they look like doctors, but they're like prescribing holy water and mud baths. Mm. You know. <laughs> well maybe that's 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 big that's part of it it's just it's yeah. just bullshit mm. what, it's well, it sounds a bit like uh, yeah i was about to say like hollywood fads you know well this this film is based on a real life incident in which fellini forgot the idea of a film he was about to pitch to a producer that uh i think that was the idea this this sparked the whole thing and I was really struck by the opening of this film, which is fantastic. Like, he's Guido's in this car. I, I don't even know where they, where they are. Like, it's like a traffic jam. I thought for for a moment they were trying to get onto a ferry. You know, one of those big ferries that takes cars. But I don't think that's what it is. And then everyone sort of their cars are stopped, but everyone is like frozen in their car and like staring mm, at him. That's really bizarre. Waiting. Yeah, and then you get these weird freeze frames that are quite disturbing for like a second where. Like they freeze on an image and, you know, just, just having people staring at you in films is creepy, you know, <laughs> and then, and then all this smoke, all this smoke sort of comes into the car and he's freaking out and then somehow it's he gets, like he's getting gassed. Yeah. That was disturbing. And then, and then he like flies off into the air and then someone drags him in again, like a kite and he falls into the water and then he wakes up and it's like a dream. Um, and and I was disappointed that it didn't sort of come back to that at the end. I felt like that was was something that was going to happen, come back to a similar sort of dream. Um, and Fellini actually shot shot the, the end of the, like a different version of the end 
where Guido and his wife sit together in a restaurant car of a train, which is apparently bound for Rome. And uh, Guido looks up to see all of the characters of his film smiling ambiguously at him as the train enters a tunnel, which was supposed to, I guess, signify them dying or something. Um, and then he, that, that's actually what was in the script. And then he's shot an alternative ending where they're around the sort of spaceship uh, set on the beach and they're all sort of going around in circles and stuff. Um, and then he was, he was convinced, uh, he was sort of, um, encouraged to, to go with that ending instead of sort of the more downbeat sort of suicide suggestion, which I think ties in better with, with the start of the film, you know, or ties in better with the whole premise of the film <laughs> that you don't want to be talked out of your ending, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> You want to make the perfect film. Yeah. Ricky, it seems like, you know, uh, uh, you don't, you, 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 you're formalist. You like a bit of form. Yes. You want, you want, yeah, but you want the movie to be, you want it to be uh, in sequential order with the title, <laughs> the number, and you want, you want the, yes. the dream at the beginning to be at the end. You did this yes. in Casino. You hated the bit in Casino where we had the, the narration from a character who wasn't the lead character. Well, yeah, yeah, I thought is, that was dumb because is, it, it's um, like 10 seconds. It I think we should, get, <laughs> we should get funding for this. NDIS, here you come. Like, yes. if, you, if you honestly, if, you are on, if you're on that spectrum, you better get that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Maybe, maybe they can fund this podcast. You know. I get a nice remote uh, podcast set. <laughs> anyway, well, he shot he, sh- he shot a different ending that was in the script, and he didn't go with it. Uh, the, there's another film which we will cover in our Woody Allen cycle eventually called Stardust Memories, which is a a uh, when this film's been been homaged uh, and ripped off uh, many times, but Stardust Memories is like so heavily influenced by it. it's from the 80s and Woody did it and it's a black and white and similar I mean almost the exact same story and he do- actually does that train sequence at the beginning and the end so it's sort of it's almost like I didn't know that that, that was uh, in Fellini's um, reckoning so maybe Woody uh, you know wanted to finish his work mm. <laughs> and if someone's neurodivergent it's Woody Allen so <laughs> is he? He's a bit of an autiste, is he? <laughs> so, um, did you guys watch this with subtitles? Of course I watched it with subtitles. <laughs> what the hell? How did you watch well, it? Th- 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 I'm, I'm sure there's a version out there that, that's dubbed that you could see. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, how, how? You're really offending him tonight. <laughs> Just wait till reviews. <laughs> how fucking dare you? talk about like well, dubbed i mean well i i didn't watch a dubbed version i watched the subtitled version very good but i just i just I, I, I had a comment on that because there is it's a shame we can't speak italian and and aj i don't know what your how how good your talent skill italian skills are i know you're trying to upskill there but Ooh. there's so much dialogue particularly in the first hour or so that that you know, I ended up getting a little bit tired of, of reading the subtitles. Like, like you, you, 
I think that's a little bit of a barrier to seeing this amazing cinematography when you have to read so much. I mean, subsequent viewings will, you know, obviously help that. But um, an initial viewing, it, you know, you do get a bit tired. And, you know, I would just wish I spoke Italian. I completely agree. I, com- I, com- I completely agree. There, uh, I, there's another Italian filmmaker, Michelangelo Antonioni, who did uh, blow, uh, blow Up and, you know, Red Desert and La Ventura. And his films are a lot more um, image-based, you know what I mean? There's not as, not as, just seemingly not as much dialogue. And so you can really just enjoy these images. Whereas here, I, I'm with you, only on the second time was I sort of able to really, I found the first time uh, throughout the week really quite frustrating, which is a shame. I, it would be different if you saw it on a massive screen. Definitely. You know, but uh, I, I, I'm with you there. And the second time I could actually enjoy it and go, oh, okay, all right. I knew where we were at and I could just start to, to look at the images and, and take in other, other details. Especially because their facial expressions are so amazing. Like there is a lot to take in. Yeah, absolutely. What a great faces. There's also a strange use of silence and, and, and music dropping out suddenly for dramatic effect, which, which I always like. I think Lynch does some of that. In, in his in his films where the sound just stops. Oh, Lynch would be a huge fan of this yeah. movie. Well, mm. Scorsese is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Huge. Well, that's that's in my trivia. It's David Lynch's favourite movie. Oh no shit. Yeah. And there's there's Lynchian stuff in here, you know. I mean, the the the, the opening is so Lynchian with all the people fucking staring at you mm. like zombies, you know. Well, then it's Fellini esque. Uh, and. Uh, and the Fellini, yes, yes, that's true. There you go, there you go. All right, very good. But um, yeah, I just think this era is so—it's—it's it's just the coolest, you know, '60s Italy. Mm. Like, what what happened? It seems like '60s Italy is the coolest thing in the mm. world. And I went there, and uh, you know, as I said, um, it's it's a. Uh, I'm warming to it, but it's not. It doesn't have this thing anymore. It doesn't have this mm. thing, you know. The style and yeah, yeah. Is that big? No. Well, it depend. It might depend on where you go. You know, I mean, very, Rome is very touristy, but but I agree with you. They they dress so well, and the fashion is is amazing in this film. And it's the only thing my wife liked about the film, by the way. She's like, the fashion is great. Mm. <laughs> But everyone is so suave, you know, mm. and I think about dudes today walking around the streets. I mean, they're so slobbish, you know, particularly in Australia. It's like, you know, men yes. don't, don't, don't put in much effort, you know. If you do put in effort, like Marcello Mastriani, you get to go out with Faye Dunaway from 1968 to 1970. Then you get to get you get to be with Catherine Deneuve from 1970 to 1974. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, and then he was with someone that you after that. But I think Faye Dunaway and Catherine Deneuve. That is literally from 1968 to 1974. He had two of the, two of the hottest chicks in the 20th mm. century, whenever he wanted sexually. Is what mm. I'm saying. so what else do you have for us john got any other nuggets yes well just uh just scenes and moments like i there's so much good stuff like i um i really 
love the sequence, the childhood sequence, the wine bar. Uh, and I think it's one of those, one of those things that now that I'm much closer to uh, Guido's age, when I saw it, you know, maybe 20 years ago, just didn't really care about scenes like, the, the, you know, his, his childhood scenes, but they're a lot more meaningful now, now that I've got a kid as well. Like something, there's something so delightful about him running. He, so he's a child and he's sort of running away from his, his mother or his carers or whatever and they're trying to give him a bath and they catch him and put him in the, this wine bath with all these other kids and uh, it's quite magical. And then when he gets out, like they, they wrap, him, wrap him up in this warm towel and put him in his bed and it's, it's so, it's beautiful, you know, simple and, and beautiful. But I, I was confused about the wine bath itself. <laughs> it's like, I know Europeans like to get their kids involved in wine drinking from an early age, but bathing in it, is that is that even a thing? Yeah, but like, it's only because in Australia, we don't waste a fucking drop. You yes. know what I mean? Like, like in Europe, that they're, they're like, oh, we'll, 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 we'll just have a little bit, we'll, we'll, bath, we'll bathe in it, we'll do whatever. Whereas in Australia, we're like, anyway, I'm going to drink to get drunk and glass you. <laughs> yes, up. yeah. Well, they, would, they wouldn't just bathe in it. They'd drink the whole fucking huge, huge bath that they had, you know. Yes. I think they're just streamlining. I guess it's like, because remember, it's, it's, it's probably fucking 1920 or something or whatever. Like, and they're just a different time. And they're just like, you know, like, um, it's probably just something they did, like, you know wash in the, the wine and, and then we all drink it. I don't know. It sort of reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where Kramer cook, cooks in the shower. Yes, like, yes. Remember that when he gets the garbage disposal and put in the shower? Yes. And he, said, and he says, I, I prepared it while I bathed. Ooh. Yes. And he drops stuff. And, yeah, <laughs> well, I was, I was going to bring up the lion tamer kind of scene with the harem of women and the showgirl was told she's too old and needs to go upstairs. I know that'll feature heavily in our, in our me too meter. Um, but that, that scene is, is, is off the chain. That's, that's, you know, cancelable right there. Well, that's yeah. the movie. That is the movie. That scene, like, like that, that is kind of, yeah, the, that's ground zero right there. But it it is funny how, how these women sort of are fawning all over this guy and he, he is fairly blank. Like I know he's got writer's block or whatever that he's going through, but it's like you don't get a sense of him being really into anything except for chicks, I guess, you know, and, you know, you don't even get a sense of what, what his earlier work was like. Like I guess he's kind of revered as this great filmmaker. Well, the chick why. says that it's shit. His last movie was shit. Well, that that was the girlfriend, the really young girlfriend yeah. of the one that keeps getting told to be, shut up. Is that is that the one or a different one? Or Gloria, wasn't it? <laughs> the weirdo. Oh, this, you mean Barbara Steele, the uh, mm. British one? Yeah. Mm. What a kook. And and I did like I did like all those flashback scenes as well. Um, I think uh, I think the boys watching that BBW do the dance on the beach was quite good. You know. And did you notice there's that kid on the right? There's like a line of kids 
and the one on the right is like slapping his own face over and over again as as she's loving <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 sometimes when I when I see them titties bounce I want to slap my face you know just like the bum but make sure that it's in there make sure it's in the memory bank yeah yeah get in there get in there I think those scenes are good too because they give you a little bit of a respite from the dialogue because those scenes don't have much dialogue. So it gives mm. you sort of a bit of a, a different thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. My favourite scene was the dancing. It was only short, but it was like the Pulp Fiction dance. Oh, this is between uh, his Guido's friend and yeah. Barbara Steele mm. and they're doing their yeah. dance. Yeah, it's very memorable Definitely. shots in that of his face doing yeah. his little, yeah. his little rock to the side, you know? Yeah, I really like that scene. Yeah, it's like early early rock and roll too. It's like, you know, 90, well... It's twisting. Yeah, it's twisting, yeah, 1963, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of rock and roll era, yeah. But, but again, with an Italian bent to it. Yes, Barbara Steele's got a great line in that scene when the magician comes up to her and is like trying to read her mind and she goes in English, don't do it, you're disgusting, leave me alone. I love that she called him disgusting. (laughs) And then then she hugs her friend and he says, oh, don't don't insist, don't insist. And then she looks at at him and goes, looks at the magician and goes, kisses her finger and points at him because she's, Crazy, she's fucking crazy. <laughs> and this is another instance of a of Guido's friend, who's a rich and powerful guy, just throwing his life away for some young yeah. tail. Yeah, yeah, because she's off the hook. You know, she's unhinged. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She gave me chills. She reminded me of a few girls I've met over the years. <laughs> oh, so, ooh, get away. Yeah. Uh, Guido's mistress, special. Uh, uh, shout out to that scene. I quite like her dressing up in the makeup and um, again the hairy armpits. I think I like the hairy armpits. Oh. So just mm. want to put that out there. Yeah, but but, but I there. like I like the mistress as as a character. Like it's she's kind of the butt of jokes because she's dressed it's sort of more old fashioned, but still in a kind of fancy sort of style, I guess. And so people make fun of her for that and. She also talks about how she likes reading Donald Duck comics and stuff, and <laughs> she's a bit basic, but she's a lot of fun, you know, and she's got a big rack, so, you know, that helps. Would you love her just waffling on about her husband, Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much, but, uh, you know, I could live with the Donald Duck and the funnies she talks about, you know. All the hot chicks in this have got issues. All the hot yeah. chicks have got issues. The, the only one is his wife who is, she, like, she's, you know, I mean, it's tough to say because she's still very attractive, but, you know, the other ones are like, you know, 25, just big jugs, whatever, you know, whatever's going on. And, but the um, wife's a bit of a ball buster, though. Oh, she's just, yeah, prudish, made to be prudish, right? I guess so, but her husband is, is you know, well, I don't want to get into it. So because it's that, it, well, it, hey, it's that time, AJ, so I need you to take, retract what you just said because it's Keeper or Creeper. Jeepers, Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers, Creepers, where did you get those eyes? So... This, we, we've only got, you know, 
Slim Pickens, all right, mm. in this movie. Um, I didn't. I can't just pick some of the random producers <laughs> because I don't really know much about them. So we've got Marcello Mastriani as uh, Guido Anselmi. He is a film director. Uh, it's very successful as well. So you know, he's not uh, like a video artist from uh, fucking Northcote or something. He's like, <laughs> successful. Um, 43, so, you know, that's, that, that is seemingly quite young, but it is in the 60s, 1960s, so again, and he looks terrible, really, like, the, the bags under the eyes, like, uh, yeah. out of control. Um, but he is graceful, quite the dancer, I would have thought, uh, does these little jigs every now and then, like, I, I don't know how you feel about spontaneous dancing, well, I do, but... <laughs> Uh, he does that as long as I'm not the one dancing. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's just going to do it. He's going to do a yeah, little jig so every now fine. and then. Um, full head of hair, so not no. bald. All right. Bit of a daydreamer. So I don't know whether you've ever been out with one of those guys. He's just a bit of a bit of a space cadet, but that's that's he's a daydreamer. So that's that's something. Mm. Not so much of a not not a talker because some of the guys we've covered have been real mouths, you know, most deaf. He's got a lot to say, you know. That's but, true. Um, Guido is definitely more of the silent type. Um, now, this is a – I want to hear what you have to say. You don't have to answer it just yet. You do it in your in your wrap-up. But he's popular with the ladies. I would like to know if it's important that a man is popular with the ladies or not. So, oh, AJ, you, you tell me mm. – give me your full assessment. On Guido. Can I, can I give it to you now? Yeah, yeah give it to me. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Keeper, total keeper. Oh, oh we have down. a keeper. I'm down for hey. it. I'm down for it all. <laughs> I love it. D-T-T. He wow. is hot as that fuck. That is amazing. Wow. I'm really attracted to him. Wow. Um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I like that he's quiet. I like that he's, but he's thinking. You can tell that he's 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 somewhere. I just, I like it all. I'm down. This this proves to me that you would totally get you would totally get used up by someone like John Mayer. This is just like proof that you know you know what I mean. Yeah, one of those guys who's just like he's just a little bit aloof, yeah. and then you're all over it. Definitely. So and now and now what about what about this this idea of, of a man being popular with the ladies? So if you hear that a guy is, has been popular with the ladies, is that good? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Like he hasn't had like it's not that Andrew Tate thing where it's like I've been with fifteen hundred women or something. Like it's not that. No. It's more like he's just like a realistically popular. Yeah, like he knows how to talk to a woman. He, mm. Yeah. Like he's got the confidence. It's confidence. Yeah. Oh, he's got. He's got. He's been with a few of them. Though. Like he's not like you know, he might have a, you know, he might might have been with a hundred chicks. What, what if he had fifteen children by fifteen different women? Look, it's working for Nick Cannon. He he reckons he's gonna fuck Taylor Swift next. Yeah, he's gonna get Taylor <laughs> Swift knocked up. He reckons. I'm coming yeah. for you, Taylor. <laughs> number thirteen, lucky number thirteen. Wow. <laughs> Well, that is amazing. We got a keeper. This is the most unexpected. We didn't even get to just get into it. It was just like, <laughs> I, I love it. You just you want you just you just want to 
just dine out on his focaccia. I, I've been holding back the entire <laughs> podcast in, in anticipation. Wow. To let my true feelings out. Even in our text thread all week. Wow. I was like, keep this a secret. That is yes. amazing. That is good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Excellent. Well, that is that is a real treat. Um, we can add we can and and no, it's, you know, and it proves that you're not like a, um, I don't know how to say it, like a black fetishist as well, you know? Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you do like him exotic, though. I mean, this guy, this guy is European. He's Italian. That's true. You know? yeah. Italian pig man. That's great. Again. Black mm. dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and fat dudes. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd I'd like to see that smorgasbord all in one room. You know, Very good. Well, I'm fairly light on trivia today. I couldn't find that much about this film. Um, as I said, it's David Lynch's favourite movie. It's also Scorsese's favourite movie, I believe. Uh, it's Fellini's last black and white film. Uh, despite being top credited, Claudia Cardinale uh, has barely some eight minutes of screen time in the whole of this movie. Oh, wow. But um, she definitely, you know... It's definitely all eight minutes of her, you know. It's like she's there and she's big mm. in this film, you know. She looms large. She's so she's hot. Big. Yeah. Uh, this was the basis for a Broadway musical called Nine, which won the Tony for Best Musical in 1982 and the Tony for Best Musical Revival in 2003. And I doubt whether it will be restaged in 2023. That's for mm. sure. I would, but it would it would have a non-binary lead or a chick for the lead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it would be a chick, and and all of the other chicks would be disgusting. No, but but it would be all men. It would be a buffet of of hot buff men around, and that would be fine. We can objectify them. You can't even do that anymore, like like because because that's no because can you like because that that. I kind of miss those Diet Coke ads where the, where the guy would be objectified. I kind of miss that. We don't even get that anymore. All we get is, seriously, I saw ads, I walked past Bonds recently, and I looked at all the people who were advertising the Bonds um, underwear. Just just the, the freak show. Just an absolute freak show. Yeah. Um, that is my trivia. Oh. So. Oh, you yeah. were lying. Well, that's all right. I know. I feel like we covered a bit. Like I think, I think the fact that this movie is the favourite film of, of Scorsese and Lynch—that is the only trivia you need. I don't care. I don't care about your fucking Hollywood goofs. All right. Like, like those two guys are the real deal. And I think what you sh- what we should do is earmark this as a film. Like, let's rewatch this regularly. Just put it on. Get you know if they if they're into it, we should be into it. So I'm I'm down. Good work, Ricky. <laughs> Even though Ricky hated it. Well, <laughs> no, I like the movie. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's it's like a lot of it's a lot of it's like a lot of avant-garde films that 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 you love that that they also have frustrating elements to it. Mm. You know, I mean, absolutely. 
I didn't have a good time first time watching this this week, and and you know you just got to push on through. How many times right? have you seen it? I've seen it a lot. I, when I used to work at a video store and stuff, I just put it on. So I've seen it like a lot, you know, uh, in parts, and then you know quite a lot in 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 hot, in full. I would love to see it on a big screen. I really want to give it. You know, my dream is to have a theaterette to make a theaterette and and start screening some of these films. Turn the phone off, sit down, and actually watch it big. You know. And, and and give it its due. So part of that is part of our work here is getting a you know a list of, of golden films, I mean and films with a good blue vomiter rating. Like that's obviously <laughs> important as well. But in addition to that, it's it's sort of this is the pre work, you know, so we're getting a list of uh, and you listener, you know, you're getting our hard work. We've told you it's good. So now dedicate some time to it. You don't have to watch um, the fucking Mandalorian on the big screen. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Fuck you. Fuck that. All right. Don't do that. Well, I think I think we're we're we're, we're slowly heading towards a side boob cinema live, where, where we watch the film with an audience and then we do the show. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And um, everyone, everyone needs to bring their own slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be and great. Pe- people will love. People will love the segments. They'll be hanging out for the segments. They'll be like, you know, I wonder what Actually, the rating is going to be. I would be love today. that. <laughs> AJ, you mentioned before the show. You mentioned watching Rocky Horror Picture Show when you were too young to watch it to understand about um, men in suspenders, uh, but. Yeah, <laughs> I think I love the idea of Cyberb Cinema Live, and yes, yeah, slide whistles, and everyone's got a pussy hat, and you know, <laughs> I mean, that's all good stuff. <laughs> that's great stuff. <laughs> love it. And um, people are sing Keeper or Creeper, you know. <laughs> yes. And then they just chant it at us. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right, it's time. It's the Me Too meter. Uh, so, firstly, it's Heavens to Bechtel. You know, we do the Bechtel test every week. Uh, the Bechtel test is an informal way to evaluate bias against women. What is a woman, I say, uh, in films and other media? A work is said to pass the Bechtel test if it has two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man. There are many women in this movie. And none of them say one word to the others. This movie is Bechtel's nightmare. It's brimming with women, but they're used as um, just just toddy, really. So, or shrews, shrews and toddy, mm. pretty much. It's not often that we have the, this many women. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's it's very much uh, you know I mean it's not steel magnolias no you know? no, it's not no, no but that's why it's funny that it's yeah it's a it's it's a piggish nineteen sixties <laughs> patriarchal Italian man's view of the women he likes to bang <laughs> delicious yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right um, so failed uh, failed obviously all right the charges this week. The most alarming thing about this movie is that it is wider than the sheets of the Grand Wizard of the KKK. (laughs) (laughs) 
This movie may have won Best Foreign Film in 1963, but thankfully those days are done. I get, uh, this is a quote from a Sky News article. The Academy's new diversity rules will force studios to satisfy two of four criteria for their films to be eligible for Best Picture in, from 2024. Things like ensuring a third of the cast is from an underrepresented group or that 30% of the crew are from diverse racial or ethnic groups. Hashtag Italy so white. <laughs> huh? Wow. So there you go. Um, that's part of the bizarre rules that now make sure that um, we can't have nice things. Uh, Guido forces his mistress to dress up like a cheap harlot, telling her at one point that her makeup needs to be more, quote, slutty. Okay. There's no such thing as slutty. All right. It doesn't matter if your girl was run through by the football team. She could have a body count bigger than Robocop. <laughs> and you know what she is, a powerful woman who is worthy of your respect. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Guido probably likes a bolt on. Yes, de- definitely. Definitely <laughs> likes a bolt on. Stormy Daniels. Yes. <laughs> There is one scene, a memory from Guido's childhood. He and his friends pay a local prostitute to dance the rumba for him. Shout out to the BBWs. However, my initial thought was that this was disgusting grooming of young children by this beastly woman. But I have suspicions Saragina might be trans, in which case it's beautiful and I support and encourage her celebration of diversity and inclusion. Keep at it, girl. <laughs> The crown jewel of misogyny sparkles bright in the most famous scene uh, in the film in which Guido enters a private fantasy in which he is a kind of harem master of all the women in his his life, past and present. Uh, Just like Leonardo DiCaprio, he don't play with no old dames. Past 26 and you're done. <laughs> How was Leo not cancelled? You know. Well, that is a good question. He's it's into because he's change. into the environment. Yeah. Yes. Ah, yes. Saturday, yes. Woke jitsu. Yes. If you get seriously, I'm thinking of getting into climate change uh, as a way of just like, you know, because James Cameron's into it and he can do it. He basically drove his wives crazy and stuff. So, mm. like, if you're into climate change, the left will put up with. Uh, like, I could probably start whacking off right now on this uh like you know this session and you guys would be like oh he's trying to save the environment it's okay (laughs) (laughs) alternative source of protein there yes well okay so uh, when one of the women dares to speak out against uh, this disgusting policy of no over 26s marcello begins to discipline the women with a whip which some of the women seem to enjoy uh, from what I saw. And there's a few things going on here. It's sort of a bit muddled, but let's just keep it simple, okay? Male pleasure bad, female pleasure beautiful and empowering even when it's degrading and perverted, okay? That's as simple as I can break it down for you all. Take that out to your real lives. And furthermore... (laughs) Did you just throw the peace sign? Double piece. Double. It's part of my. It's part of. It's part of my climate change. Uh, I kit. like this new persona. I'm gonna do. I want to bring sea back the shepherd shirt. Sea shepherd, like like 
you know, peace sign, just sharp tooth, um, necklace, and total pussy hound. Yes. You know? Anyway, furthermore, there is nothing erotic or sexy about the idea of a range of beautiful women, blondes and brunettes, smashed together, locked up, all hot and horny, kissing and touching while you're away at work, fingers roaming, sweat reeling down the unending curves of their tight young bodies. <laughs> Eyes are closed again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else jump out at you? I mean, there's one other scene where one of the producers has two chicks that they refer to as his nieces. I'm assuming he's banging them. And he's about yeah. 60, you know? Yeah. Disguster. Incest is best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, anything else? Or? Well, there's zero diversity in this film. It's 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 as wide as white can be, and I, I you know it gets yeah. full marks on this Me Too meter. Hmm. It, it it breaks the Me Too meter. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I feel like you know I did see a review the other day of the Guardian like doing a retrospective review of giving like Raging Bull four out of four, and I remember I think that's because De Niro's a bit woke and you know just they're just hmm. just trying to. Uh, slip on good films in there uh, despite their politics. But this film, I, I think there's – Fellini is too problematic. There is no way that harem scene whipping all those women, he, they, they'd, be, they'd be losing their minds. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance – White privilege. Well, very good. Another film with full marks. Are we going to get that uh, boobometer? Yes, we are. Of course we are, Ricky. I mean, what the fuck do you think? There's only company to play. All right. <laughs> so uh, the, the boobometer quantity uh, zero. All right. Quality unknown. Um, and you know what I think about that. I feel like this is more of an ass movie, um, mm. in a way, um, which which really makes it ahead of its time. There's certainly a lot of you know, following of butts and jiggling of butts and stuff like that, which you know, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down. Uh, but it's it, it, it's not the boobometer, and that is um, it's a shame, you know, it's just a shame because I feel that there's a lot of good work that could have been done here, and and. <laughs> You know, we didn't get to, we just didn't get it, didn't get to see it. Mm. So, um, it's a shame. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, rating, you get nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Okay, on, on to reviews. Italian critic Giovanni Grazzini underlined that the beauty of the film lies in its confusion, a mixture of error and truth, reality and dream, stylistic and human values, uh, and in the complete harmony between Fellini's cinemato cinematographic, cinematographic, 
language and Guido's rambling imagination. It's impossible to distinguish Fellini from his uh, fictional director, and so Fellini's faults coincide with Guido's spiritual doubts. The osmosis between art and life is amazing. It will, it will be difficult to repeat this achievement. Bosley Crowther praised it in the New York Times as a piece of entertainment that will really make you sit up straight and think, a movie endowed, endowed with the challenge of a fascinating intellectual game. I like how the, uh, I don't know, you see difference there between the Italian critic and the, uh, and the American one, you know? Strap yourself in. I've got a one-star review here for you, all right? You ready? Bite down, so bite down. Okay, <laughs> one out of ten. Okay, it's titled A Great Film to Say You Loved from IMDb, of course, by someone calling themselves Future Feet 9. I highly recommend this film to anyone who wants to say they've seen it. It's worth every excruciatingly boring minute of sitting through so that you can pat yourself on the back whilst telling your pseudo-intellectual friends how brilliant it was. It's jam-packed with narcissism, misogyny and masturbatory self-intelligence. Oh, and it's in black and white with subtitles. How cool and artsy is that? So go ahead and bite the bullet. It's totally worth the hollow satisfaction you'll get from proclaiming its brilliance, which will, in turn, make you seem like you're one of the intellectual elite who decide what is brilliant for the masses. Oh. Yeah, was, this, was this written in 2001? 2011. Oh. Yeah, okay. Well, it's slightly before the Great Awakening. And, um, I, I mean, that guy's hot under the collar. This guy's ahead and... of his time. Well, I just feel like, um, you know, I mean, it's just, just he can just fuck off. Like, like that's too much, you know. There's, there's, there's good <laughs> stuff in this movie, and you don't have to like the whole thing. I, I, I don't. This is not Godard. Like, if you want a filmmaker who is really impenetrable, there are a couple out there, and I think Godard would be one, um, barring a couple of his films, which are which are quite. You know, it, uh, quite uh, cut through a little bit, but mostly he's quite painful. This is this has got enough. This is like a Lynch film in that even if you don't know what's going on, you should be emotionally engaged, and and the images should take you away. Take you away. So I mean, that guy can just just go to hell. <laughs> I knew it. It would get you hot under the collar. But it's also interesting, he, you know, he, he concedes nothing. He, 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 can't, he can't give it a compliment anywhere, you know. Yet he watched two hours and 19 minutes of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe this is meta. He's just done what he's telling you that he, that he hates to do, you know. Now he's part of this cool and artsy elite, you know. Maybe it's brilliant. I don't know. But, but I will say it was hard to find a one-star review of this film. Yeah, well, I think everyone likes it. They're all on board. That's good, as it should be. Well, uh, next week, a slight pivot to Juliet of the Spirits. So we'll give uh, Marcello Mastriani a break because he'll come back the week after. We're going to move on to Fellini's wife, who was his, his longtime muse, who stars in this movie. And I've never seen it. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing something I've never seen. Ooh. Very good. All right. And uh, I, I will have a, a better... Um, remote set up for you good people at home I don't want you to miss a goddamn thing alright <laughs> <laughs> uh, well we said what we said yeah well, um... 
<laughs> am, am I allowed to refer to Italian people as spaghetti eaters? I, I said that in my intro. I don't know. I feel yeah, like well, they're white. They're white. It <laughs> Probably. What yeah. say about them? Yeah. Well, they're white now. They weren't always. Uh, it's a good big discussion. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we said what we said. Uh, until next time, long live the new flesh, and remember, side boob cinema. We'll, we'll save, save cinema. cinema. That was a good one. Yeah, that was good. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just an absolute freak show.